We continue in the book of Romans with a bit of a repeat and then a little bit additional as we're going to be looking at Romans 1 through 11, 1 through 11, and the message this morning is called Debt Canceled, Debt Canceled. Once again, Dennis is trying to make it a little easier with a bit of a PowerPoint. I will tell you that this is one of the most basic and simple messages you will ever hear, which probably makes it one of the most important messages you will ever hear. So let me read first by beginning uh, in verse 1 of Romans 8 and reading uh, till verse 10. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Messiah Yeshua has made me free, made me free from the law of sin of death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. Repeat that with me. God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, he is not his. And if Messiah is in you, the body is dead because of sin but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So I have a story that I want to tell you. And I think that's the next slide. A story. Story of debt. It's called Nothing Owed. In March of 1992, there was a man living living near Boston, Massachusetts. And he received a bill for his unused credit card. The bill stated that he owed zero dollars. A dollar sign with a zero, a decimal point, and then two zeros. He ignored it and threw it away, wouldn't you? The next month in April, he received another bill and threw that one away also. A month later, the credit card company sent him a very nasty note. They said that they were going to cancel his card if he didn't send them the zero dollars. He called them and talked to them. They said it was a computer error, and they told him they'd take care of it. Don't you love computer errors? The following month, he decided to try out the credit card, figuring that that if there were purchases on his account, it would put an end to this ridiculous predicament. However... In the first store he tried to use his credit card, he found that his card had been canceled. He called the credit card company. They apologized for the computer error once again and said they would take care of it. The next day he got a bill for zero dollars. 
stating that the payment was now overdue. Assuming that the latest bill was yet another mistake, he ignored it, believing that the company would sort the problem out. The next month, he got a bill for zero dollars, stating that he had 10 days to pay his account or the company would have to take steps to recover the debt. Finally giving in, he mailed them a check for zero dollars and the company processed the check. They returned a statement stating that he now owed the credit card company nothing at all. A week later, the man's bank called him, asking him what he was doing writing a check for zero dollars. After a lengthy explanation, the bank replied that the zero dollar check had caused their check processing software to fail. The bank could not now process any checks, any checks from any of their customers that day because the check for zero dollar was causing the computer to crash. The following month, the man received a letter from the credit card company claiming that his check had bounced and that he now owed them zero dollars unless he sent a check. They would be taking steps to recover the debt. The man was going to buy his wife a computer for his birthday. Instead, he bought her a typewriter. <laughs> Point number one. There is a debt that we owe because of sin. There is a debt that we owe because of sin. Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death. The sentence of death began with Adam and Eve. Remember Genesis 2.17? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And that death sentence has passed down through the generations. Every person born into this world will eventually die. Our mortal bodies are literally prone to commit sin. Dear ones, it's something we simply can't avoid. In this life, we all sin. Some people believe that keeping the Ten Commandments will get them into heaven. Some people believe good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Problem is, nobody can be good enough to go to heaven. As hard as we might try, we still commit sin. We all have a sin debt. Point number two. For those who are in Messiah Yeshua, our debt has been canceled. For those who are in Messiah Yeshua, our debt has been canceled. Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Messiah Yeshua, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Though we have a sin debt, the Bible says we owe nothing. Those who have accepted Yeshua as their Savior have no sin debt. Romans 5.18 says it this way, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Dear ones, many people do lots of good works, believing that that will get them to heaven. And the question is, how many good works are needed? If our good works are more than our bad work, does that get us into heaven? Romans 4, 4-6 answers the question. Now to him who works, 
The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. We talked about that a few months ago. That if we consider works to be the entrance to heaven, then by our works, God owes us salvation. It's not grace, it becomes debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. So we cannot do enough good works to get to heaven. Please notice also that Romans 8.1 calls for us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 also points out that need. Paul writes, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Holy Spirit, who dwells within each saved person, leads us to live a life pleasing to the Lord. When we do commit sin, and oh, by the way, we do, the Holy Spirit leads us to repent and to turn away from that sin. So each day we make a choice. Have you noticed the common theme in today's service? It's a choice. Life is a choice. We can do what our carnal flesh wants us to do. That leads us into sin. Or the other choice is to walk according to the Holy Spirit's lead. And that helps us to avoid those sinful desires that we experience. Point number three Satan tries to make us feel that we still owe something. Satan tries to make us feel that we still owe something. I need to say that twice more because I believe it affects the majority of people sitting in this sanctuary this morning, maybe more than just a simple majority. Satan tries to make us feel that we still owe something, that we're not good enough yet, Satan tries to make us believe that we still owe something. Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Messiah has come for the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of the of the brethren. Please note it does not say the accuser of the non-believer. The accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Satan is an accuser constantly reminding us of our failures. I'll tell you a little story. I'm into stories this morning. Two former college friends met after years of separation. One suggested they have dinner together. And during the meal, they talked about memories of their college days. As they talked and talked and reminisced, the hours passed by. And looking at his watch, one of the gentlemen explained, Oh my goodness, it's near midnight. And so they parted and hurried to their homes. Later, the friends met again. And one man told about how his wife reacted when he walked into the house late. He said, I did my best to explain to my wife why I was late, 
but she only became historical. The other man replied, you mean hysterical, don't you? No, I mean historical. She brought up all my past sins and failures. Dear when Satan is delighted when we commit sin, he's delighted to make out, to, to point out all of the sins we have committed and to point out all of our mistakes to God and to us. Do you remember the story of Job? Job 1, beginning in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your faith. Satan just loves to accuse us of being sinful people. But listen to these words of comfort. Again, Revelation 12, 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Messiah have come for the accuser of, our, of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him. They overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Please understand, and please believe, we can overcome Satan's accusations against us simply by placing our trust on what Yeshua has already accomplished on that crucifixion state. His shed blood has paid our sin debt. Paid in full, debt canceled. And so in conclusion, when Satan tries to bring up your sins, when he tries to convince you that you still have a debt to pay, just ignore what he's saying. Ignore his statements. Ignore his accusations. The blood of our Messiah makes it possible for us to have a debt of zero dollars. Zero dollars. And the only software program that truth crashes is Satan's. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Dear one, you were not a problem to Satan before you came to faith. You were already in his camp. We become problems to Satan once we come to faith because we have now changed hands and our testimony can become a powerful one 
so that others might change hands as well. And Satan wants to ruin our testimony. Satan wants to ruin our belief. He wants to remind us of who we were and not of who we are. Let me remind you of the Facebook post I reminded you of, I believe, last week. There's no sense in bringing the past into your current life. It's got nothing new to tell you. Right? The question is, who are you now in Messiah? The question is, do you believe that the work of debt cancellation has already been done in full? I love the words to the song, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And so to those of you here this morning who are of faith, I ask you to remember what that faith means. I ask you to remember who you belong to now and who you don't belong to anymore. And I ask you to remember that Satan will constantly accuse you and bombard you with ways to ruin your testimony in front of the world around you. Be not ashamed, but be strong. Remember the testimony of your faith. Be ready to give an account for the hope and life that lies in you. And for those of you who have not come to faith yet, and there may be one or two or more of you here this morning, life is a choice. And to put it off to another day is also a choice. It's a choice not to act now. And we're not guaranteed another day, any of us. And so I would pray that if there is one among us this morning who has not given his or her life to the only one who can give life, that this morning might be the day of your salvation. So let me pray for all of us. Avinu Malkeinu, our Father and our King. Father, would you please make the understanding of a canceled debt real to us and not just an intellectual thought? Would you make the realization of faith by grace to bring us to eternal life, not just a theological concept, but a life to live? Lord, to those who are here this morning who have come to faith but still struggle with the devil's arrows, I pray your strength upon them. I pray that the good news of Messiah will be all they need to stand up against the barrage of the evil one. I pray that their testimony will be true and effective as they speak of what the Lord did for them. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not yet placed their trust in you and the finished work of your son, I would pray that today would be the day of their salvation. I pray, Lord, that they would not put off that decision. I pray that this morning would be the morning that they choose life and not continue to live in death. May it be your will that your simple word this morning penetrated hearts 
May it be your desire that we act on that word in truth and in spirit. And may we be ever grateful for the most amazing gift anyone could ever be given, the gift of eternal life, which was only obtained by the death of your only begotten Son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.